0: All right, welcome to episode 22 of the Cowcast C2E2 Retail, Diamond Retailer Summit Recap. All right, welcome back.
1: I'm Eric. I'm James. And along with us, besides the lovely sounds of Chicago,
2: Clicks is- Down.
1: Okay, hey, Clint, how do, we, how do we know you and why are you on our podcast? Well,
2: I am a customer. Okay. And uh, I, I like to pretend that I'm friends with you guys. You are. Okay. And, and, and for the know. evening,
0: you're relatively houseless.
2: Yeah. That's true. Yeah.
1: And homeless in Chicago is no way to be. No. Oh, we've seen plenty of it. Yes. Uh, and also, you have a deeper tie to the store. As before we had the store, you were an employee.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So. I have a seniority over you guys. <laughs>
0: Fair enough. <laughs> Very good. So, um, Clint wasn't with us at the, the Retailer Summit. We joined up with him tonight. But uh, James and I are going to take a little bit of time to talk about some of the things that we heard, that we saw, uh, some of the things that we liked, maybe didn't mm-hmm. like. And we're going to get Clint's opinions as we go. And we're also probably going to ask him a couple of questions because this will be the really the first big convention that you've ever been to. Mm-hmm. So we'll get kind of your inputs and see where you're coming from. And then I think maybe next week when we all get back, we'll do a little after the show and see how you enjoyed it. So it's
1: Thursday night as we're recording this. And the Diamond Retailer Summit started yesterday, but it didn't really start until today with actual programming. So if you're a retailer, what you did was you went to McCormick Place, uh, yesterday afternoon and you, you checked in, you registered for the summit and then you just went around and you, you killed four or five hours in Chicago. And then you went to the public house. Was it? Yep. You went to a restaurant called the public house where diamond had, uh, about half of the restaurant kind of, uh, booked up and they had some beer on tap open bar for, well, just beer and wine though. Uh, no actual booze, and it was kind of neat. We met some uh, Diamond employees. We met some some fellow retailers. We met some fellow retailers. We talked. We spent a lot of time talking to two of the people from Dragon Dragon Slayer out of Austin, Austin Texas. Texas, and they have. Uh, it sounds like they've just got a, a great operation down there. In fact, they won some of the um, Diamond Best Practice Awards yep. at the awards show during uh, dinner In the evening. But it was a neat, neat thing to have some drinks and, uh, you know, it's, it's an icebreaker to meet some uh, other retailers and get some ideas. We got a lot of good ideas from them. They've got, I think, four or five locations. Something like that. And, of course, we have one. So we are always willing to listen to the wise that can give us ideas of what to do better. But uh, that was so that the whole night was sort of an icebreaker uh, prelude to today. And last year, I think the two years prior, they held the retailer summit in Boston or Baltimore. It was Baltimore. Uh, this year it's in Chicago, obviously. And we've we got a little insider information that next year they're planning to have it in Chicago as well, which is
0: good because it's pretty darn close for us. Yeah, it's centrally located in the US, which makes sense. I mean, yep. it's an equal equal travel for anyone East Coast or West Coast.
1: So to sum it up, we arrived this morning back at mccormick place now mccormick place of course is where c2e2 is held and the second uh, second or third level of mccormick place uh, basically the floor ablo- above where c2e2 is is where the diamond retailer summit was held so they had a breakfast where they had some presentations by some some smaller publishers and after that we had the opportunities to, well, Do you want to jump in
0: yeah, so after the breakfast, there's kind of a multiple different types of breakout sessions that they have throughout the day. And the first one today was uh, you had three different options as far as what track you wanted to go to where you could get some insider information from other retailers who have succeeded in different facets of the business. And then it's, it's about like an hour, hour and 10-minute session where you can mm-hmm. listen to some best practices, ask questions. Um, and so in the first one, we went to kind of a social media marketing type well, one. The- the retailer workshops are as follows. You had your, As you said, you had your
1: choice of three. So one of them was the art of managing your managers, content creation or curation, supersizing your social media success, which is the one that we, yeah, we poked our head into. To. And then the third one was get prepped, top toys and licenses. Um, we ended up going with the social media one because yep. it's something that we thought was probably the – most pertinent we, to what we're doing. Yeah, we do a decent amount of social media. This is essentially social media what we're doing right now. Let's get it away with social media. And um, and we had met um, Megan from Dragon Slayer, who yep. was part of that panel yep. the night before at Public House. So we wanted to hear what she had to say. Um, but after that is when we had our first real real presentation, which yep, was the D C presentation
0: and so it was if for anyone who hasn't seen Dan DiDio um, if you can find videos on YouTube of him I would strongly recommend it he's very energetic, enthusiastic commands an audience very well yeah. um, and, and the way that he the couple of times that we've either seen him do presentations or spoken to him he gives you a very honest and complete picture of how he views the industry and how DC fits within the industry so he started off his presentation with a couple of slides to talk about sales within the industry. One of them was looking at the growth of the industry over the last 5 years, 6 years, and showing where sales have gone and each year there's been a small rise in uh, the direct market sales, total Which, of a it's like 9.6% increase yeah. something like that um, in overall sales. But the nice thing too was that he also included some uh, stats on digital And we were told last year and kind of shared that with folks that uh, sounded like digital sales had kind of stagnated. They were steady. They weren't declining. And the graphic that was provided today for the industry backed that up, that that market segment has remained steady as other areas have grown. Uh, The next slide was just kind of an informational slide of an assessment of the amount of titles uh, beyond a certain issue number. And what Dan was pointing to was there's very few books nowadays that seem to get farther and farther into the run. And he felt that that is or could be a detractant to the industry. So he kind of gave a little overview of, of those things. And then it was time to kind of get into what DC is planning to do to make life. You know, continue mm-hmm. to grow, prosper, and try and bring new characters in. And that's essentially what he let in with, was we want to continue the work that we've done with Rebirth. We want to continue um, the great characters that we have that are our legacy, but it's time to start taking the next step. We took a year to get our center and our core back in place. Now let's push the envelope, create new villains, create new characters. And along with that... We're going to try and continue to change the way we work. So when we first talked about Rebirth, we talked about how the creative uh, direction from storytelling was going to be based around quarterly or periodic huddles of writers within the same family. So within the Bat family, within the Superman family, uh, things like that. We're going to meet with Jeff Johns. They were going to make sure that they were aligned in their stories, so that as they continue to go forward... Um, You wouldn't have characters that couldn't possibly be doing what they're doing in, say, action comics and then also doing what they're doing in Superman. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was was direction number one. Direction number two, which is what we learned about today, is taking that and applying it not just to writing, but applying the, the teaming and huddling aspect of things to the actual full comprehensive creation of their comics. So both the writing and the art. And what Dan really picked out was he talked about kind of the three major <clears throat> movements of creation in comics. You had the Silver Age you of uh, DC. You had um, the Stan Lee and Jack Kirby era of Marvel. And then you had the Image Exodus. And the things that he picked out from each of those were it was an equal drive of writing and art. And we've gotten away from some of that with the way that Writers are writing now, handing full scripts to artists. Artists are not necessarily as um, openly creative as they could be because they're given scripts that are very direct in what you're supposed to put on what panel, how many panels, etc. Well, yep, so, before you get into that, he also talked about,
1: and we've known that this is going to happen for a while, that the Rebirth branding was going to go away after the first year. Right. Rebirth was that first year, 24 issues. Uh, if you know it was a twice monthly book or less, but Rebirth th- that unified branding was what they believed really helped sell a lot of books, and they wanted to have something that could they could keep that that banner and that branding, which is sort of part of what you're jumping into. Yep. Um, there's a couple different aspects of this. The thing that everybody has seen by now is Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Uh, Dark Days Metal or Dark dark Matter Metal?
0: Dark Metal. Dark Nights. Uh, Dark something. (laughs) It's dark, man. But
1: DC's kind of got a new that's going to be their new banner and their new branding. And they're going to start off with according to their own slide Dark Days which will give way to Dark Nights which will give birth to Dark Matter which they are calling the new age of DC heroes. And, uh, part of that is going to be this branding called DC masterclass, which led to them bringing some special guests out into the panel. And, uh, Eric, you want to jump on that one?
0: Yeah. I mean, there are a couple of, uh, lesser known folks, I suppose, by most standards, you know, uh, First person that came out was Jim Lee, followed by... And John Jim o- Lee's no...
1: I mean, Jim Lee's no surprise at this Retailer Summit because... Right. he He's a co-publisher. Exe-
0: yeah, he's an executive, a DC executive, so he's got... And he's, I think, the chief art kind of stalwart. He kind of mm-hmm. helps and coaches and mentors a lot of the artists. and um, But yeah, so he's all over DC. He's one of their top brass. Yeah. Wonderful guy. Uh, the next person that followed... Uh, Followed him out was John Romita Jr., followed by Andy Kubert, followed by Greg Capullo. And that was the panel that discussed what was happening with this new transition and this new way of working. And mm-hmm.
1: uh, boy, they the, had the, an the room unbelievable, yeah, lit
0: up. <laughs> they had an unbelievable amount of energy.
1: I mean, those guys, Capullo and Ramita, you can tell that those guys, it's it was great to see Capullo kind of play up, you know, Oh, Scott Snyder was scared of me, you know, and it's, it's totally a joke, but you also think that they're, it's probably a little probably bit of something to, to it. it. Yeah. Um, and Romita, John Ramida, uh, was playing up that they're both kind of, you know, him and Capullo, they both have tough Italian names and, um, they were certainly the two loudest of the bunch, yep. but they were anchored by Dan DiDio, who's also a showman and a guy who, t- you know, he, he knows the right questions to ask to get the responses that people want to hear. The big, well, without jumping ahead too much, they spent a lot of time. And I think Capullo probably articulated it the best when he mentioned the, the people that were direct artistic influences on him and the way that an artist can have a really, really great impact on a story, which is essentially the old Marvel method. Where they're kind of told what the general plot is. And then they're just given carte blanche to do what they're going to do with that information. And then the script will be written in after the art is done. Um, And Capullo talked a little bit about... At first, there were a lot of stories that he and Scott Snyder didn't necessarily see eye to eye on the creation of that New 52 Batman run. Because Scott Snyder was very rigid and his storytelling, and what he expected to see out of each panel. And that they clashed. And eventually uh, he allowed, you know, Capullo would kind of do his own thing and show Scott Snyder that I, I know what I'm doing, and maybe I have an artistic eye for this stuff that's going to be a little bit better than some of the descriptions that you have about where the panel's supposed to be, situated or the camera is situated in the panel, etc. etc. And the two of them grew a relationship of mutual respect and trust. And he he made some kind of funny jokes about how, you know, even though that's far in the past, Scott Snyder now will still give suggestions in a script, but say like, or whatever Rude you think might be better with a smiley face. Uh, and I think it was neat to get that, that idea of how those guys are, you know, as an artist, you expect, I always go to Alan Warren. And Alan Moore is a guy who, when he writes a script, he'll have, you know, sometimes he'll have 10 pages to describe one panel on a page because he expects every single piece to be right where he sees it in his mind. You look at the scripts for the Avatar book, Providence, and he goes all out. I mean, the amount of work and effort and research that that Moore does when he writes a script is just crazy that kind of limits an artist was the argument that Capullo and and those other guys are making that um, how you're, you're chaining one hand behind their back and saying this is exactly what I want to see you're not letting them do their thing as an artist or, and put their spin on it and their artistic flair on, on the content that you're creating and at that point it doesn't matter what artist you have if you're not letting them be artistic
0: yeah so what they talked about was getting away from the the idea of scripting and getting to plotting, right? So the, the writer would give a plot to the artist and now the artist is going to take that and say, okay, given this plot, I can fit it out in this many pages or look, I can see it going this way and kind of start mm-hmm. to do some thumbnailing and roughing it out. Uh, and then it's really more of a collaborative effort. And, and this collaborative effort is not just in comic books. I mean, we... Anyone in software development knows that Scrum and Agile development are the biggest things going on right now because it's all about teaming. You're trusting each person on the team's individual talent to help drive to a better end goal uh, and you're playing to strengths and that's essentially what DC is doing is they're kind of taking a step back, looking at the whole piece of, the whole pie and saying instead of segmenting this and this, we're going to let you work together. Uh, These four artists are kind of the the initial phase but they hope to get 20 more artists uh going with this new mentality and this new way of working and they each kind of shared some different stories about how that how it's being perceived and taken and some of the young artists that they're seeing today who basically are like well i don't don't need to know all that i don't need to do that because they just tell me what they want and i just put it in there Mm -hmm. i think it was john ramita that kind of seemed like that that kind of offended him in a way because it's like you're basically, like you said, James, you're you're giving up your creative right. You you know, here you've worked your entire life to be creative just to have that stripped away, and now you're yeah. basically just plotting out what somebody wants done, drawing it, and being done with it.
1: Well, my favorite bit of the entire presentation was, and it was the first thing that I thought when these guys came out, and it was really cool because the Dio ad- addressed it, and he asked them about it, was two, two of those guys are legacy artists. Right. And as much as I love Andy Kubert and John Romita Jr. As someone who grew up reading the old, you know, the old silver age stuff, there's no, there's no beating John Romita and there's no, and and Joe Kubert is, you know, my top three artists of all time. I mean, Joe Kubert is a complete and total master, uh, and it's it's it was cool to hear these guys talk about the influence of their own parents, and how John Romita Jr. was kind of saying that in his head when he would draw stuff, he wanted it to look like, and he was seeing it look in his head like his father's stuff, but it would come out on the paper looking different, you know. And he, he didn't he even say kind of say like I'll I know I'll you know I'll never be quite what my father is, or something like that. and
0: Yeah, I think he tied it in with the story of his dad saying, uh, you're under a lot of pressure based on the name, but you have to do it on your own. Yeah. And and so, yeah, then he kind of parlayed that into the discussion of, in my head, I picture my dad's mm-hmm. work, but what comes out is John Ramita Jr. And he goes, I've gotten better, but I'll never get to dad.
1: It was neat how many of those guys then went to when they first started working for Marvel, that John Romita was one of their biggest influences in, and not just in his art style, but he you know, physically would help them and guide them and give them art direction. Capullo said it, right? Yeah. And Jim, yep. Lee, Jim said Lee said it. it. I, I think, think Jim Lee and Capullo both thanked uh, Larry Hama. Yeah. And then Jim Lee also said that Carl Potts was one of the most influential people in his early career, who, of course... I believe inked a lot of his his stuff back in the day. But anyway, I just thought it was neat that those guys were it's that that's what I would always like if I met Andy or Adam Kubert, I the first thing I would I would want to say is like Dude, I love I love your dad's work, you know? Which sounds like a total jerk thing to say, but it's it's just that I'm enamored of the of Joe Kubert's art. But the coolest bit of the whole thing was Andy Kubert saying that the desk that he uses to draw was his father's desk that his father got from Carmine Infantino. So imagine all of the... When Andy Kubert is drawing on a desk right now, imagine all of the pages of history, of DC history, that were drawn on that desk, which is crazy.
0: Yeah, and I thought that he did it. He had a really unique perspective on it where instead of taking the approach of that's a lot to live up to it was the flip side of all the amazing things that were done on this and i can add to that legacy right and then and and he knows that he's not his dad just like jr jr knows he's not his dad um but i think they they are both at a point where they've made it they made it on their own Mm -hmm. they've been able you know they may have broken in because of a name but they've been able to stick around because of the quality of their work
1: yeah absolutely so
0: and it was fun as as the discussion continued to go on uh, i think greg spent some time talking about how this new process has been a challenge because what it basically did was it stripped some of the writers from their ability to dictate how everything went because they start to work under this assumption that they control everything and the artists start to live under that con- uh, assumption of the writer controls everything and I'm just a bit player. And so it was really hard for some of the writers to get adjusted to this new method when they've essentially lost some control. But it's starting to sound like now those writers are actually enjoying this more because it's a playing off of each mm-hmm. other's talents, very similar to you and I when it comes to stuff in the shop where we bounce one idea out there, and then the other person says, "Oh yeah, but," and then it's "Oh yeah, but," and we just kind of keep going back and forth till we end up getting to that decision that we make. And it's you use all of the talent and, and resources you have around you, and you will end up with a better product. And
1: if you're going to have anybody who is going to kind of direct you to to use that method to to get the the best possible result. Having one of the Image founders is probably not a bad idea, right. you know. And, and Jim Lee obviously was uh, a big part of that me- that plotting methodology at Marvel, and then they they took that and took it to its logical end with Image. So he is, and even then, you know, Capullo talked about another one of his big influences, which we all know was McFarlane. McFarlane. and uh, so. It was neat to hear all that. Those guys put on one hell of a show. I mean, it was it was for us, it was like sitting there watching a bunch of rock stars, mm-hmm. you know. These guys, they are all unbelievable talents, some of the best talents in, in comics. And they've got charisma, they know how to command a room. Uh, same thing with Didio, and these guys gave us I mean we left that we left that um DC presentation feeling invigorated, feeling like we were on top of like, something big. You know, DC's about to do something big, and we are so, it's it's just so incredible that we're able to be a part of it and get in on this on the ground floor. Then we went to the Marvel Well, first, there's a
0: couple things. We had lunch. We did have lunch. And then we had the first round of our meetings with publishers.
1: Yeah. Uh, before that, we did pay a visit. Let's give a shout out. Yeah. To our friend Pam at CBCS. Who uh, has always been very great to us at Cowabunga Comics? And uh, we dropped off a big, big stack of uh, four boxes worth of books to get graded. Um, They are set up at Reggie's on the top floor. Really cool club. I've seen some shows there. And um, they have been, now, this is, since this is also going to be a C2E2 podcast, um, we are big CBCS fans. I have nothing against CGC. I just prefer CBCS and everyone has their own priorities. And we know plenty of people who are the complete opposite of that, but um, CGC kind of, I guess they've started now that they've started the grading wars, the exclusivity wars, and they signed some contract with Reed pop where they are the only uh, grading company allowed on the show floor. So CBCS had to set up off premises and that's why they were at Reggie's and that I think was a real I know we're a PG podcast, but it was a dick move on CGC's sure. part. And uh and I get it. And why do you think they're doing that? It's obvious, because they're feeling threatened. Right. Exactly. So um, you know, instead of being able to do what we've done every year and march our books down to the C B C S right. booth, we had to go End of the twelve hundred
0: row or whatever it is. Right.
1: We had to have a an, another fifteen minute Uber drive to drop our books off. So um we were happy to go out there and, and see them because they're a great company. They've always been very good to us. Uh, great customer service. We are not getting paid anything to say this. Is just what we nope. we believe, and uh, I think that um, it, I, I kind of say uh, you know shame on Reed Pop for going along with it and for CGC for you know being that petty, but uh, that's business for you.
0: Yeah, and it's not going to change how how we do things, who we use. We yeah our shop we only use CBCS for the most part uh, unless there's a very special request mm-hmm. for CGC
1: we don't do we don't and we don't normally call we don't really do a lot of calling out on this podcast but no. that's that was the thing that out of out of everything at this show that actually really pissed me off that and and we've known about it for a while with this exclusivity they when we talked to Pam from CBCS she said that it's at all read pop shows so they were at Emerald uh, City Emerald City they had to set up off premises too um it's just, it'll be the,
0: New York Comic Con as right. well.
1: It, it, all it does is it's going to create, it, instead of taking those people that would normally do CBCS grading, and the, CGC, I think, is thinking that they're going to be the only option there. So if you want to get your stuff graded, you're, you're going to have to go to them. That's not the case. It's going to drive a wedge between people that are on the fence because now we've got a little animosity towards them. Because they made us take an Uber car ride to go off, to go to a, a club to drop our books off. Um, I think it's petty and I don't like it and um that's I guess the all I've got to weigh in on, but yeah. Very,
0: very annoying. But we got very to see petty. Pam. They had a real nice little setup at Reggie's. They had a little slider bar and some fries and yeah, stuff. That was nice. Like, but uh, so we did that and then we then we got back over to the, the summit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got there for the for the tail end of lunch. Got to listen to a couple more publisher discussions of what they've got coming up over the next few months while we were there, uh, and then we I think we ended up breaking out to do we break out to the first afternoon session or was it the first uh, retailer roundtable discussions with the publishers? Do you remember? You no, we did the uh, we did the one where we jumped to to publishers first. Whatever okay. you call that. So we had the first round of that. So basically what they had done was they set up a couple of rooms that had, I think, uh, six or so... Pu- Interactive focus groups. There you go. And they had about, I think it was six publishers
1: per session. No, no. Per you, session. you just jumped right ahead of Marvel, where I left off before. Oh, well, go ahead. Carry that on. That was... Well... I was trying to forget that. Yeah. Uh, so... Going... I I kind of felt bad for Marvel going into this because they've had... So much negative publicity, much of which we've covered on on previous episodes of this podcast. And if you're listening to this, you're probably reading comic media and news sites. Uh, and Unless you've got your head in the sand, you you know what's going on. They've had a lot of issues with a lot of things. Um, From the X-Men gold (laughs) controversy to the diversity doesn't sell to our sales were down because... DC's sales were up with Rebirth, and they, you know, I mean, they, they they had a lot of things that have just been compounding, and, you know, they, the old uh, adage of uh, there is no bad press is not the case. Um, going into this, we weren't sure what to expect uh, before we had even gone to the DC presentation, but... We kind of naturally assumed that they would be a little bit on the defensive. Um, and we correctly assumed that they were not going to address the ardian and SyF X-Men Gold controversy. Because what's the point yep. of even bringing it up? But after the DC presentation, galvanized the entire room. Uh, oh, and when we left, we were the DC presentation, every attendee was given an ash can for this uh this new DC masterclass that was signed by all of the artists. Right. So very, very cool. I mean we that was like the cherry on top of the fantastic Sunday that was the DC presentation. Now Marvel, again, we're not sure going into it what how what it's gonna be about, who they're going to have. And ended up being in the same room that the DC presentation was in. As we're we're lining up, we noticed that the the line was going a lot slower than it was to get into the DC one and we thought there's no way that there's more people right but it turned out we were that they had security they had these uh some security company that was by all the doors and they were very very strict and they said if any no cameras if you see anything we will be patrolling and if if we see anything we will confiscate your phone right and we thought, man, what is going to go on in here? You know, like kind what's starting to get excited? Thinking, <laughs> this hey, is they're yeah. going to take the
0: offensive here.
1: So we go in and sit down, and it ended up being uh, David Gabriel, and then uh, I don't know some what, marketing, marketing guy. guy, and then the the presentation starts, and they talked. And Dave, the first thing that David Gabriel addresses was that there's going to be these. It, this is going to be a huge thing. Security is going to be walking around and inspecting everything. Don't bring your phones out because the new Inhumans show, we're going to have a sizzler reel. And it's going to be later on. And no one's seen this except for us. And blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Then they start off uh, with their presentation saying the Secret Empire. and It was unbelievably boring and bland it even got the the worst part of the whole thing was they they talked about what was going to happen after secret empire and they said it's going to be a branding called marvel legacy and then they told us a room full of retailers that if we wanted to find out what that was that we had to come back for their sunday presentation and i i I mean that that was a slap in the face, I think, uh, for what's supposed to be their big big presentation at the Retailer Summit. They tell us that we have to come back another day to get the rest of it. Uh, But then they show us the Sizzler reel, and and they didn't. And first off, they didn't trot anyone out. You know, we were thinking, are they going to try to one up DC? Are they going to try to compete? And they even had, well, the, the new Peter Parker book has Adam Kubert on art. And I thought, man, here's, that was the perfect opportunity. Fly the Kubert brothers out. Andy Kubert shows up for the DC one. Uh, Marvel did not trot Adam Kubert out. Um, it was just the same two guys and, uh, boring panel, uh, the sizzler reel that was so top secret that, uh. You know, that they were going to have the, the Mafia guys and the Teamsters come in and rough you up and take your phone for it. it. was like an interview. With Jeff Loeb. With Jeff. The whole thing was maybe 90 seconds. It was Jeff Loeb and a couple other people uh, from the, that are cast members talking about how excited they were to be part of the Marvel Universe. And that was it. And it was done. No freebies. Everybody, everybody you know, walked out. The, the Marvel guys absconded quickly. Like, they didn't stick around to talk like the DC guys did. Um, well, actually, no, i that's a lie. I take that back. Um, they did say, if you have any questions, you can come up here and talk to us.
0: But, everybody was racing to get caffeine because it was dead.
1: Right. But it went right from that to another one of those retailer workshops. So, unlike the DC guys that were walking around for the entire day, and you, I mean, we talked to Stuart Trek four times, you yeah. know, and, uh, a couple of those other guys we ran into once or twice, and we didn't see any of the Marvel people after that, and we talked to some other retailers, and we said, have you, have you seen anyone from Marvel? And they said, no. We haven't seen any of them. I think they all left. It was a very boring panel. It was a panel that, that announced next to nothing new, and told us that if we wanted to know what was going to happen in their universe, we had to come back another day. Yep. And it was just, the whole thing was a complete and total letdown to the point where Um, about two thirds of the way through it, somebody two, like two, one or two rows behind us very loudly said, Marvel effing sucks in the middle of their own presentation. And, uh, I mean, it was, I don't know, it, it was not good. They were all the conversations that we had with other retailers after that, at the dinner, walking around when they had the cocktail hour. The first thing, it was the icebreaker that everyone used was, man, can you believe how bad that Marvel presentation was? That's what everybody said. Or, how about that Marvel presentation, you know? Did you sleep
0: through it like I did? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going on over there, but... It's a shame, because Marvel has some wonderful characters. Um, they're telling some good stories at, in different areas of the Marvel U, but obviously, what they're doing is not resonating with us. No. Um, and it's I don't know. I guess I thought it was interesting too how we heard coming out of that Marvel Summit that they were done with doing events and they were done with tie-ins and they were going to cut all that off. And what did we hear about today? Two thirds of the presentation was was about a new event, and then they brought the tie-ins for us. <laughs> um, it, yeah. it just it was it was well.
1: And I and again you might we do this to give you a retailer perspective, and I can tell you that you might read different things online, but as a couple of retailers who spent the entire day talking to other retailers, uh, there was not a single retailer that we talked to, store owner or manager who had anything positive to say about Marvel. Everyone was unloading both barrels at Marvel, and it was sad. It really, really was. Um, and that's just... It's the just the complete and total uh, truth that at this retailer event, Marvel is... I don't want to say they're a laughingstock, but they're certainly the red-headed stepchild. Yep. So that is your ultimate insi- your retailer insider information, is that uh, almost none of the other retailers think much of Marvel. Not right now. But we want them to get better. We want to sell their books. We want to make... We want to, you know, we're a business. We want to make money. We're not making that money. And if we can sell Marvel's books, we're going to make them money. But right now we're not making, we're not able to make them the money that we're making DC, you know. And DC is making us money by putting out quality books. And 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 not just that, but also supporting the stores in a way that, we just don't see with with Marvel, you right. know. We don't see that with the mouse anymore. And I think it's very telling that and this was just announced, I think, last week, but it was addressed uh, in the IDW uh, retailer workshop that there's going to be an all ages Star Wars comic coming out, and it's not published by Marvel. It's going to be published by IDW. Why would Marvel license out? A comic series, a Star Wars comic series, to another company when they own Marvel, and yeah, you could, I, now I know that Archie is going to be distributing Marvel books to newsstands, and they have a great inroads into into newsstands, to grocery stores, by the cash registers, etc. But an IDW does do some great kids books. There's no doubt about it. But there's got to be something wrong. There's got to be some. Uh, some idea that Disney has to think, we're not going to let them handle this property. I don't know what it is, but something really has to change. It did seem odd, but boy, is excited. They sure are. And hopefully our friend Otis Frampton will be part of it. Let's hope so. Um, Alright, so we, we addressed the Marvel dumpster fire. Uh, and after that, we went into our Interactive focus group, which is these little workshops right. that we talked about, it was about ten or fifteen minutes with a lot of the minor publishers, but even you know Image and Dark Horse and some of the bigger IDW, yeah, bigger publishers were there. Um, the standouts to me were I uh, were Dark Horse. I got oh, to I stayed yeah. afterwards and got to have a really great conversation with Randy Stradley, who who's a name that I have been associating with comics. For as long as I've associated names like Jack Kirby and Joe Kubert, because I've been reading the Dark Horse Aliens and Predator books since I was probably way too young to read them. And um, I had some really cool conversations with, or a cool conversation with Randy Stradley about aliens and Predator and some other things. And um, I should, here's a little bit of insider information too. Uh, I hope Randy Stradley doesn't get mad. But he told us that, I asked if they were going to be doing a comic book tie-in to the new Shane Black Predator movie. And he said that they're going to have a, a meeting next week to talk about doing it. And that if they do it, it's going to be, it won't be a direct adaptation, but it'll be kind of a side story. So uh, I thought that was kind of neat. That was yep. kind of neat. But we got to talk about a lot of things. One of the things that, um, if you are a longtime Aliens comic book reader you would know is that when Alien 3 came out, out, Dark Horse had to go back and edit the names in those first three Alien series that they put out because those series took place right after Aliens, and they used a lot of the same characters. You had Newt and Hicks, and they had to change the names to Wilkes and Billy. Well, now finally they're able to go back, and it's kind of at the point where nobody cares anymore. 20th Century Fox doesn't care. Dark Horse certainly doesn't care. So they're able to go in and change those names back to what they were originally supposed to be. But Randy Stradley said that when he was going back to kind of re-edit those back to what they were originally supposed to be, he said that he noticed that some Joker editor had kind of had, uh, must have had fun changing more names than he had to because they had changed somebody's name to Bueller and a couple other random names that They didn't have to change at all. So he said he found that to be a little bit odd. But that was neat, having a a discussion with Randy Stradley. He's an awfully nice guy. Awfully nice guy. And I think Dark Horse is one of the the best comic companies that's out there. And they have been for a very long time. What was the standout for you? Um,
0: I guess I had had probably two that stood out besides Dark Horse. Dark Dark Horse was a standout for me. Um, Viz... Was was a lot of uh, fun. And I think what the ones that stood out to me were the ones that instead of taking it as a time to stump their stuff, mm-hmm. they took the time to just ask us what they can do to help us and how we can grow. And Dark Horse, that was pretty much the meat of their discussion. Was yeah, they wanted What's working? What can we what can we give you? Do you want more stuff? Do you want actually? You know, anything? Viz out of all the companies
1: and all of the product that they had, you, it, you wouldn't think this, but we had. Viz yeah, probably yeah. had 25 and we had items on their every table. Every single thing There's one. There's one one thing that they had a a two yep. a two hardcover slipcase of Nausicaä Valley of the Wind. And that was the only I didn't even know they put that edition out, but every other thing that they had on the table we have in the store right now. Yeah. And I didn't know that, but I mean the amount of Viz product that we carry,
0: it's crazy. And I I was I was very And it sells very well. It does. But it was really great because what their um what they spent the time doing was talking to us about, okay, so here's the products. You sell them. Is there a way that you can sell them better? And we talked about all sorts of different opportunities of ways to market the the products, ways to display the products in the store, things like that. So that Getting was Getting shippers. Right. And then the other one that also stood out to me is Boom. There are some very aggressive things that Boom is trying to do. Um, you know Everything from how they market their products, scaling back on their... Uh, variant side of things, making sure that they keep consistent with that. They're also looking at continuing to make sure they ship on time. They said 97% of their books last year were on time, and we, we know that the, the 3% that weren't was, uh, J.G. Jones and Mark Wade's Strange Fruit. Uh, but beyond that, um, that's you know, when we're supposed to do the Steve Harvey go, still a great book, still a great book. But, uh, you know, regardless of that, uh, they've got a new program that's coming out that we are looking to, Be a part of that will allow us uh, increased opportunity to get more of their books into the store at uh, no risk to us, which is a huge thing. So, uh, and that was a lot of discussion of these are the things that we heard you as retailers asking for, and this is how we are going to meet your requests. Uh, So, those were the two outside of Dark Horse for me that were really standouts in the way that they approached working with. Retailers, But I think you've got another one that you liked that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, well, I'm I'm just going to
1: turn it over to you for this, though, because you you like to talk about stuff, blues and such. Um, We had one company that we had never even heard of before that kind of really taught our Z2 Comics.
0: Yep, out of New York. And uh, the book is called Murder Ballads, but it's not just a book. No, it's not. So uh, it's kind of a unique idea. Uh, It's a print-only comic that also has, uh, and this is, they've got, I think, three right now in their lineup, but it's a print-only comic that also comes with a soundtrack. Clint's opening up the envelope that it came in right now, so if you hear rustling, that's what it is. Um, But there's a a soundtrack that each copy of the book has a unique digital code that they will obfuscate um, while it's sitting on the rack so that you can't steal a code from it or whatever, but you download the five to eight songs based on what it is uh, that you listen to while you're reading these books, and they are tailored predominantly around jazz right now. It's kind of the way that they're building their their library, uh, but real small company, really unique product. They, they played some of the music for us. They explained, like, the, the book that we got is, what was this one called? You've got the... Murder Ballads. Murder Ballads. So... And this is kind of a smooth jazz murder mystery type book. Uh, another one that they talked about was a... Uh, he is an actual professional trumpet player. I can't think of his name right now. Uh, he's Grammy nominated. And well, they've got... It's Dan Orbach of the Black Keys that did the soundtrack for Murder Ballads. Wow. Uh, so the other one that they, that they kind of talked to us about was a trumpet player who... Uh, his book was about a musician who finds the devil's trumpet. And every time he plays it, the music is amazing, but somebody dies. And this, uh, this creator, this jazz trumpet player also created this original eight song soundtrack mm-hmm. for this, uh, this book. So this is a really unique and it's a new way of, uh, breaking in to the comics industry as something completely unique. We've, we've seen, Augmented reality, Marvel's done that. There's other groups that are doing that. It's the uh, Brian Haberlin has anomaly, right? We've also done things like uh, you know, Greg Capullo has put out metal playlists to listen to while mm-hmm. reading some of the books that he's done. So that's nothing new. But um, this is to me, this is something unique where it's a custom created audio feast to go with the comic, and they're you have they only go together. You mm-hmm. only get the code by buying the comic, and it's the only way you can get the music, and you can only read the book by buying the comic. You can't get it digitally. You can't get it outside of the direct market right now. So it's just a, it's a really, really unique package. Um, and And people like us tend to be jaded and
1: cynical and cold to trying anything new and it's it's rare when there's something where we look at it and we go that's, that's actually pretty cool interesting you know 95% of the time something like this we'd roll <clears throat> our eyes and go okay
0: another gimmick this is this is the gimmick done well this is putting your money where your mouth is because it's no small feat to write a song let alone mm-hmm. a soundtrack record it and provide it for a comic book that if it's a back half publisher We'll be doing very, very well if it sells more yeah. than 10,000 copies in the direct market. So um, the name of
1: the book is Murder Ballads by Z2 Comics uh, by Gabe Soria, Paul Reinwand, and Chris Hunt. Um, coming late June, early July, so look into it. Yep. Um, if you have a local comic shop, uh, tell them to put the order in for you because let's give these guys a little support and... Ah, uh, they've got a cool idea, and um, the the book is quality. I mean, we've each got a copy of it in our yep. hands right now, and uh, it's it's cool. The arts the art is really good. the The writing's good. The music we heard the the music at the retailer summit it sounds good. I mean, I think this is the real package. This, this is, is something com- that a complete package done well. Yeah, this could go this could go far. So look into this into the book Murder Ballads and. Uh, Remember the cowbunker comic sent you, and
0: it's not and it's not every day that we're going to stand out here and stump for companies and things outside of what we no, know as our bread no. and butter. So, no, I hate
1: everything. So, so well, yeah, mm-hmm. so do I.
0: And so you know that if we're talking about this, and we'd never seen it, it twelve hours ago was the first time we saw it, and here we are saying you should look into it. You know, take that yeah. for what it's worth. No, which was which
1: was cool. Uh, so the the retailer workshops were neat. Um, some of them went way too fast. Yep.
0: Uh, well, and we, then- we did... We did. Um, there were other options out there, but we chose to spend some time talking with our friends from D.C. just to yes. kind of get their feel on the market. We Obviously, we caught up on all sorts of different things, but um, it was fun. <laughs> we got to talk to them about how they have their, their books laid out in previews. Uh, we talked about how they're seeing sales going. We talked about some of the promotional items that they were preparing to send out. And, of course, we had to weigh in with Stewart on WrestleMania 30. That's so. right, right. Stewart is a huge wrestling fan. You're obviously a big wrestling fan. Um, so it, it was... Uh, not as big as Stewart. No, he is, he's the man. But, uh, you know, it was a great great opportunity. Again, we've, we've said it multiple times. And we'll continue to. Um, not only does DC put out good comics... And not only do they care about retailers, but they actually do care about the personal relationship above everything else. And yep. and it shows because whenever we need something, they're there to help us. I mean, And it's not a question. It's, it's just there. Um, and so it was good to catch up with them. We, we wish we would have had that same time mm-hmm. with uh, David Gabriel because we'd actually contacted him ahead of time to see if he'd be available. And, and yeah. at that time, he was planning on it. But... Um, you know, it is what it is, and right. and we'll we'll continue to move on and continue to, to work with them and do what we can. And, and again, we hope to provide
1: a retailer perspective to people who don't to people who don't necessarily get that and understand that as, as a retailer, what DC does makes us feel empowered, and yeah. and boom. Those, oh, absolutely. Those kind of I mean, there, there's a yeah. lot of great companies that support, um, that, that want to support the retailer. But I think out of all of them, and that's not to slight any, any that we don't mention. Right. But out of all of them, DC goes up way above and beyond. Above and beyond. They're leagues above anybody else in, in terms of the relationships that they have with retailers. And that is why, um, when you come, so when you if you come into our store, when you when we have our new book racks, there's a reason DC's first it's because we believe in the product and we believe in the people that are making the
0: product and it sells. If you've come to sells. our store, you'll know. But if you're not there by Friday, it gets picked over fast. Sometimes. It's true, but and we're it, trying to keep ramping up orders. It sells, but
1: it's because people have people can detect a certain amount of enthusiasm behind a product. If we were that enthused about the new. I don't know if we were that enthused about Totally Awesome Hulk or which is not a bad book, but it's just there's no enthusiasm there. you know, are we enthused about Secret Empire? not really we're going to order a lot of copies, but well we're not trust. enthused and it and and people and I think that's something that people can detect. This is somewhere I think that Clint can weigh in, yeah where do you? When you, buy, when you come into a comic store to buy your books How many of the books that you decide to buy Are influenced by You walking into the store And the way that everything's laid out and presented Versus you've done your homework ahead of time And you know what you're coming
2: in to get Well I usually do my ha- homework ahead of time Quite a bit um, But I mean if I see something on the shelf I usually take a look at it and, mm-hmm. You know if I come in and see New DC book coming out I'm probably going to take a look at it, and if it looks good, I'll check it out. So, are
1: you more or less likely to try a new book based on the company, or are you just after the, con- the concept in general? If the, if it looks good, you don't care who it is.
2: Well, the company definitely, uh, I mean, if, if if DC is on something, I know that they're going to have a certain standard. I mean, usually I go by the creators and the content in it, but... If I see something by DC, I'm going to be like, okay, this is edited well, looked after well, you know, these people are taking this seriously. So, it's kind of like a stamp of approval from them. But if you, so if you come in and,
1: I mean, don't don't even use us, but just the comic store in general, can you detect... Can you detect amongst staff a certain degree of apathy versus a, de- a degree of enthusiasm, and does that influence your buying habits?
2: Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. I don't go into many stores often, but um, yeah, in the past I have. And what has what has more of an
1: impact on you? Apathy towards a book or enthusiasm? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's it, that's, that's a hard part.
2: one. I mean. Or, that's an awesome book. You gotta check it out. Or, yeah, I don't know. know. Well, that that can come across as, you know, I'm trying to sell you this. Where, if someone's, I mean, if a person in a comic store is apathetic about a book that, you know, they have on the shelf, Mm -hmm. that's kind of, that's saying something bad about the product, because they're trying to make money off of that. So, apathy is, is,
1: apathy is going to do more harm harm then enthusiasm is going
0: to do good. Yeah, in most cases, okay. I'd say so. Which I think makes sense. It, and that's yeah. why the burden is on the retailer, right? That's why we have to curate the right stuff. Hmm. Um, yeah, so it's more... Well, so then there you go. I mean, if a,
1: a company like you see is creating enthusiasm, which is great, the next step above... It's two steps above apathy. Um, mm-hmm. But if a company is creating a complete sense of apathy, you know something is
0: wrong. Yeah, and I think that that's, it's a hard cycle to break out of, but it's also a learned thing over time. You know, we've talked about in the past. When you run two back-to-back events that both end up adding issues, end up late, and all of the companion books have already started again before you've even hit the end of your event, You you lose credibility in the marketplace, whereas DC had their JLA Suicide Squad crossover. Mm -hmm. They published out the dates ahead of time of when the issues were releasing. Six issues. They nailed it. Nothing was late. It all was there on time. And that actually kind of rejuvenated people towards the mini-event, because they did see that. They said, oh, week one, this book is here. Week two, it's here. Good lord, it just keeps coming out. This is great. Well,
1: here's... And again, we're not, you know... We're not sponsored or endorsed by DC. They're not giving us no. We're giving our honest say this. opinion. Right now, another thing, and I, we're going to keep adding rocks to the pile. But something else that uh, some retailers complained to us about, um, and this is a we're not going to name names, but this these are people that run a larger chain of comics, and it is a known name, and they they told us that they were, and they even brought it up. We didn't even bring Marvel up. They brought Marvel up. And said that they were a little upset that they weren't asked to be included yep. in the Marvel Summit, where all of this negativity really came out of about three weeks ago or a month ago. And um, they said that they're, you know, in the in the top very small percentage of accounts, Marvel accounts, and um, that they they had they weren't asked to have any anything to do with. They again. weren't even
0: solicited for. Email based feedback, Nothing. right? And
1: I guess it's just sort of uh, it, when you have a even a, a real a very big account like like them, complaining about how no, and this is, we're talking about a place that probably orders. I would say, it all combined as an account, they probably order two hundred times the amount of easily books minimum than we do. And they have next to no say about their feedback to to Marvel, you know. And you take that as a store on our level where if it doesn't matter for this giant chain, what the hell does it matter what we think at this point, you know. there's
0: 10 to us for every one of them easily.
1: More than that. Right. More than that. A lot more than that. Um, Anyway, all that to say it was a – it was very, very cool being able to meet – uh, and and get some one on one time with a lot of these publishers. Yep. Uh, but it was also neat to meet uh, some really great people from Diamond. Diamond gets uh, pooped on a lot. Everybody that we met in the in the last day and a half has been fantastic. Yep. We had we had really uh, we had a, a really great example of Diamond. Of a very casual conversation we had with one Diamond employee that was followed up hours later by another one. Yep. So obviously this guy we thought we were making a comment in passing and he went and he followed up with the right guy and sent him over to talk to us. And that kind of thing in our eyes goes a long way. And I really, really appreciated the fact that we had for the, the problems that we do have with diamond that we have had, uh, nothing but positive experiences with, with all of the people from diamond that were running this show.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and I think, um, you know, as we talked about our issues with Diamond in the past, it's it's largely been the order fulfillment side of things where yeah. the caliber of employee they're ha- they're going to be hiring at times may not be, you know, as customer facing and there's things like that. So all the people that we talked to customer facing today, um, like you said, it wasn't that they just said the right things. They did the right things. They followed up. They, oh, yeah. They you could asked tell. The good, they asked good questions that of was us. was real um, outreach. Yeah. So that was good. That was really good. And then at the end of the day, um, you know, we, we'd had their dinner we sat through more discussions (laughs) by publishers and then uh you know we left with some really great convention exclusive uh retailer summit convention exclusive We get to meet a a guy who
1: is representing a as he described it a hole in the wall store in illinois that we have to go check out yep uh really really nice guy um now the my last and after this i promise i have nothing else to say about marvel (laughs)
0: <laughs> but my family.
1: last thing was ahead of it. Now everybody knows that when you go to the the retailer summit that you are given freebies by the companies. And uh, DC gave us a great amount of free, every Pretty much every company gave yep. us some really great freebies. Uh, including the previously mentioned Z2 Comics with their book Murder Ballads. They gave us a really cool little presentation that it's like a, a brown kind of paper bags, uh, textured envelope. It, it looks a, it
0: looks like a if you were working in the police precinct and you were getting a file on a in case. In 1935. Right. Or something. This is yeah. how it would be delivered in that brown manila envelope.
1: It's pretty neat. It's yeah. pretty neat. So we get a bunch of cool freebies. Uh, and I'll, and the majority of the freebies are things that are not advertised, they're just given out. Right. Um, you know, even a- Action Lab had. The risque or the covered-up zombie tramp variant yeah. that you can only get here, and <laughs> little things like that. We got um, a ton of stuff from Aftershock. We got Aftershock. Holy Moses, boy! You a fun and, company. and again, uh, talk about customer service. Those those guys are great. We were able to get some one-on-one time with them. Every employee there,
0: phenomenal. And just stay tuned because we're going to keep working with them. There may be some things coming down the pipe. We, oh, will, we there, will see. There may be. Um, but let's, let's
1: get back to our last bit of disappointment. <laughs> and I think this is absolutely hilarious. Ahead of time, the, the freebies that we do know we're, that we're going to get are on the Diamond page. When you go to the Retailer Summit page, it'll have a link that will, you know, you can go to the schedule and click here to see the company-sponsored giveaways for this year's Retailer Summit. Well, guess what the Marvel one was, one of, one of the two Marvel giveaways was going to be. It was going to be a C two E two Diamond Retailer Summit um, X Men Gold number one cover. That well, we didn't get one of those. <laughs> yeah, that did not make so, its way into the bag. Yeah, that wasn't there when they gave us our freebies at the end of the night. Yeah, I think I think DC gave us
0: four single issues, including. A variant cover, Batwoman one. A variant cover, Justice League. A variant a cover, the Super Sons. A Batman the Button variant cover. Oh, the Jim Lee trade cover. The variant, the variant of the variant trade Queen for cover. Batman. A bag, a nice, very nice cloth tote that I will a DC be going t-shirt going to the farmers market with. Yeah, a DC t-shirt. Let me give mine to my wife. She can go to Aldi's with it. There you go. I'll be the coolest bag there. Um, so it was, it was kind of one of those things where. And we were tipped off by Stewart. He he said, you know, just wait till you see what we've got lined up for you at yeah. the at the summit. I mean, they knew that they were they were going all in for it. And
1: but we were waiting for so them. We were standing in the line at the end after the dinners. So you go. So after the the last workshop, uh, you go over. And they have a little cocktail hour. You get some drinks, and then you sit down. And they have dinner. Really good dinner too. Very good dinner. I yeah. mean, I, it it's the best convention and you, rubber re- chicken I've ever for had. For some reason. <laughs> They they <laughs> brought you two dinners. Yeah. I don't know why, but you you ate them both. Um, but anyways, after the dinner was over, not all. You, well, yeah, after the dinner was over, you went and you lined up because they had uh, two lines to give you your freebies as everyone filed out, and we were standing in line waiting for a little while. And we were talking to these guys that have a shop in was it Minneapolis. Uh, just outside Minneapolis. Yep. Is it? I think so. Anyways, uh, we're talking to these guys, and they were saying, boy, you think they're? They're like, you think we're gonna get that? You think they pulled that X Men gold freebie? And like, well, why would you even care? You know, like, what? Did, did you think that they printed one out that's gonna be edited? And we're all like, well, I guess we're gonna find out very soon. And now they pulled it. They <laughs> didn't even give it out. It so was kind of funny. It's it's just another one of those things where you go, well, thanks for the." Uh, Thanks for the freebie that was promised that we didn't get. Yep. Uh, it, it, and honestly, I I just again, let's kind of apologize. I'm sorry. It may it sounds it sounds like we are just harping on them, but this is what this is what everyone is saying. This is what everyone is talking about. Yep. And and this is the the perception right now that the retailers have, and um, you know, those are the people that are ordering the books. And if they're not impressed or happy then that leads to apathy, which leads to people not caring. Yep. You looked like you had something that just popped into your brain.
0: I did, I did. Um, so after our opening session, we missed one, one major thing. Go ahead. We had the opening session uh, with the breakfast where we uh, got the day started, and right after that, we stepped outside and we got to meet Mr. Bill Willingham. Yeah, he had his new uh, his new book, Larks. What was it, Larks? Killer. Larks Killer, creator of Fables and Elementals, and uh, he was kind enough to spend a couple minutes with each each person that came through the line, provided us with a, a you know first taste of his book, and uh, yeah, that was kind of nice. So I just wanted to make sure we called that out. It was good to see him. He was uh, he's looking good, moving around, great sense of humor, still at it, and. He said that he was hoping to hit the trifecta. Mm-hmm. You know, his other two books have done really well, and he's hoping that this can be the one. And I think. And he said he'd blame us, or we. Yeah, take he's going to hold us responsible. Um, but one thing that that was really cool was uh, when he was giving the verbal presentation in front of all the retailers. Uh, he made sure to to call out that this is a book he can see himself writing for the rest of his career. So to see his excitement for it was pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. So I just wanted to make sure we pointed that out. It was kind of out of order, but still part of the day. Um, tomorrow's
1: diamond events are very, very Sparse. few and far between <laughs> because I think they anticipate that whatever they would schedule, you're going to go to the, you're going to go to C two E two. Right. So which we're going to do. We're going to go to C two E two in the morning. They have a diamond breakfast, and uh, there are presentations by Diamond Select Toys, Alliance Game Distributors. Now Alliance is part; they they are the same company as Diamond, uh, so not a big surprise there. And then the last presenter for the breakfast is Diamond Comics Distributors. So tomorrow is all the Diamond presentations, uh, and then from two to five PM they have a a comics in well, Comic Suite is the program that I would say most comic shops use, but I know that not all There's of them so use it. They're having a Comic Suite conference that we're not going to be attending because it's three hours smack dab in the middle of C two E two. So right. we're going to be spending most of the, our we're time be on the C two E ing but that leads us into uh, part Deuce of this uh, podcast, which is Clint. All right, a, a longtime comic fan. That's true. Yeah. And and first, you've never first
0: time podcaster. That first is time
1: podcaster. Yeah, yeah. Although you've listened to many podcasts, I definitely have, including yeah. this one. Uh And you have never been to a real comic show, right? A big Big show.
2: show. I was at Wizard World, but that was forever ago. Okay. So...
1: Depending on when you went, we maybe don't count that as...
2: I I wouldn't count it. I've been
1: to 25 of them. If you don't want to call it a comic show, I understand. Yeah. Uh, Basically anything in like the last 10 years. But what... So tell us a little bit about yourself first and, and what... You are hoping to get out. You're not here buying high-grade keys. I am not, You are here for a very specific reason, and enlighten the listenership on that.
2: All right. Well, uh, my goal in life right now is to uh, make a career out of writing comics, and uh, I'm just beginning to work on that, but it's my dream, and yeah. Uh, So what I'm looking forward to most in this convention is um, just meeting the creators there, artists and writers... Just kind of getting a feel for what they think about, sorry, (laughs) how they feel about working in the industry and just talking about how they came to where they are right now. Because I'm just starting out right now and it's really cool seeing those people who have made it and uh, getting advice from them and, yep. So are you...
1: And I just think it's interesting to ask you this, uh, having never really been to a show and you're younger than we are, Mm -hmm. um, are you nervous about going up to to creators and talking to them? And I mean, it's one thing to go up to a creator and just be like, I love your work. Can you sign my book? But you're wanting to ask some more kind of hard hitting industry, industry questions. You want to break through, right? Is that something that
2: you're nervous about? I definitely am. Um, Part of me like wonders what I'm gonna ask people. You know, if I go up to Jonathan Hickman, like, well, you said Jonathan Hickman before yeah. you
1: before you continue on further. Just give us a quick list of
2: like the top five people that you want to talk oh, to. Top five. Uh, Hickman, and I assume for Hickman. Sure. Okay. Um, Declan Shelby and Jordy Belair are big ones. Uh, it's it's mostly mostly artists actually, which is kind of kind of surprising. You know, being a writer and everything. Um, Michael Walsh, I'm a big fan of too, and uh, I put Greg Rucka in there. Okay.
1: So you, you what you're saying is a year. You don't have a good approach or an icebreaker to go up to him and say, "Hey, I'm Clint. I want to write comics. What can yeah. You, what can you tell me? Pr- pretty
2: much. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. I mean, how do you? I only ask this as an academic thing because I think it's. It's going to be entertaining to get the follow up to it. Mm-hmm. But what do you expect to be the? I mean, what do you? What do you think they're going to say? What, like, what do you? In your mind, do you think you're going to say something and kind of botch it, or come across like an idiot, or, you know, are you just like, oh, I hope they don't think I'm another boring guy who's trying to like milk ideas out of them or something.
2: A little bit of both. Okay. Yeah i uh, I mean. Being such a huge comics fan, like this is like some cinephile going up to like Quentin Tarantino for the first time. You know, like I I see these people as like really big names, and you know mm-hmm. I want to make a good impression on them because if all goes right, I'm going to be working alongside these people. Um. So I mean, it's it's quite a bit of so you're trying a so you're there. trying to balance the,
1: this this first experience that you're going to have. You're trying to balance. Uh, getting relevant information from them, mm-hmm. but you're also trying to balance that with impressing them. And definitely, I mean, wh- what if do I you... can build if...
2: connections with them? That that'd okay. be great.
1: So you want to do some networking? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um,
2: what would you say is
1: is going to be the single biggest takeaway, though? Like, do you, hmm. as somebody who wants to be a writer and break into the industry, do you really care if? I mean, you you, you're, you keep, it's going to be hard to impress. An established writers. Oh, definitely. It?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think my biggest takeaway is going to be. Well, I mean, I, I can I can go online and hear interviews with writers talking about their process and you know things that they've gone through, but this is you know one-on-one experience with them. Like mm-hmm. I can I can talk to them st- about stuff that's specific to me, like things that I'm concerned about or problems that I'm having, and. You know, I, I, I can bring that specific situation up to them and get their input on it. So I just think, I think getting getting some advice from creators is what's going to be uh, most important here.
1: So just uh, to, to set the groundwork for the follow-up then, uh, what kind of advice do you think you're going to, do you think it's going to be tough to get, like if you were, if you are an established writer and here's somebody wanting to get information to break into the industry, you think it's going to be hard for, to, to get them to divulge that information or do you think that they're going to be pretty free flowing with it and go, yeah, this is what you should do and here's my advice. You know, what do you, what do you expect? Do you think they're going to be a little, are they going to be like Gollum with the ring and...
2: I'm not sure. I mean, if if I was in their position, I would just kind of talk about my experiences and m- maybe maybe what Hickman or Rucka says. I mean, if I get to talk to them about this, might not apply to me at all. But I mean, that's that's what they can contribute to it. And, sure.
1: Yeah. Well, will take notes because we're going to follow this. I will uh, next week. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else besides talking to these creators that you hope to get
2: out of C two E two? Um, I really don't know what to expect from the convention. That's obviously what I'm most excited about, but I'm going to, um, I'm gonna you're explore... going to go for all three days, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going all three days. So I'll have some time to do other stuff, kind of okay. explore vendors, look at, you know, uh, publisher booths and stuff. I'll maybe go to a couple panels. I'm not sure. So we're but... only going to be there tomorrow. So we're mm-hmm. going to try to like, we'll guide you for an hour, but
1: then you're yeah. going to have. Saturday and Sunday on your own. So it's Mm going to be, we'll hear about the trials and tribulations of Clint
0: and his first big con. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Cool.
2: I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking
0: forward to it. You got anyone special you're looking forward to seeing tomorrow or anything you're looking forward to doing?
2: Uh,
1: Well, it'll always be good to follow up with uh, the great Phil Hester. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Especially he he announced that he's going to have a new book coming out from Image in September written by the also great Jeff Lemire. So,
0: Never heard of it. What cool. a heck! I'm
1: kidding. And uh, you know, the rumor is that we may have Phil Hester back again uh, for the release of that book. So Ooh. it'll be great to talk to him about that. We're all big Phil Hester fans here. Yeah, both it's of true. his writing and his art. Uh, he is a, a double threat. Um, but no, other than that, I I like. I'm a I'm a social guy. I'm an extrovert. I like walking around, and I know that. Whatever ends up being the best part of my day tomorrow is going to be something that I couldn't have, I couldn't have planned uh, before going to the show. Uh, we, we're, going to spend, uh, we're going to spend dinner, though, with some of our friends. You betcha. Can we talk about that? You want to go into that? Um, sure.
0: We're going to have dinner with people.
1: Yeah. No, we're going to have uh, okay. dinner tomorrow night with uh, some of our friends from, from D.C., the D.C., Comics, Detective Comics, and uh, so that'll be really cool. And pick their brain, and you know we'll see if we can get some cool insider info yeah. to, to pass along. And uh, but that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. We're going to go to a hibachi restaurant. Yep. Uh, but other than that, no, I think C two E two is just great, and I think the best experiences that I've had at C two E two were ones that were completely unplanned, running into people that weren't on the guest list. Uh, experiences that you just won't, they're, they're fun because they're spontaneous. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's what I like about the show so much. It's also neat that it's going to go from 10 to seven. So we're going to have nine hours on the show floor. And that's, that's a lot of time. And we, we can, if it's your first time, like Clint, you are going to be overwhelmed and you're going to want to take everything in and you're going to want to do you know a, a one lamp and see every single booth before you really start digging into stuff well i'm an old hand at cons i'm i'm an old dog at going to big shows so you know i'll i'll know what to avoid and what areas to cut out i probably can cut right through the cosplay sections and Me too. uh so it's i don't know it'll be fun though i i really really have grown to to love C2E2 and it's a shame that our schedules you know, dictate that we're not able to stay for the whole weekend, but we're going to have a, a lot of fun tomorrow, and uh, we'll we'll follow up on it too. And and for you, what's your
0: big? Uh, so the creators that I'm looking forward to seeing are also Hickman, uh, Jason Aaron, and Greg Rucka are probably three of the top ones. But number one, always number one for me, first and foremost, is getting a chance to see Otis, checking in and seeing how oddly normal is coming along. And then uh, I'm super excited because with the announcement of IDW doing children's Star Wars books uh, for the last better part of six, eight months, maybe Mm -hmm. longer, Otis has, uh, he's really found a niche in warming up uh, every day by doing Jawa artwork from Star Wars. He loves Jawa. Jawa
1: Adventures.
0: So, yes, he's created this uh, this concept called Jawa Adventures, which is kind of an all-ages title of Jawa hijinks. And uh, he's been trying to get some movement with Marvel, and not much has happened there, but with IDW coming in with kids, um, more all-ages children's books. uh, When we had our one-on-one time with IDW, we talked about that briefly with them and showed them an example, and they were pretty excited to get a chance to talk to him. Um, And obviously I talked to to Otis this evening, and he too seems pretty excited about this, so I'm, I'm looking forward to probably most of all connecting those dots and letting them Get a chance to talk. Something, it could be nothing, a match made in heaven. It, it could be nothing, but it could be something. And in either way, um, I'm looking forward to that. So, Absolutely.
2: Yeah.
1: That sums it up
0: for the last day and a half, I guess. I think so. So uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, jumping on and listening. One thing that uh, we usually don't do on the podcast, but I do want to start doing, is uh, just asking if you're listening and you enjoy it. Uh, if you could go out to iTunes and give us a you know a five-star rating and a little review, uh, it definitely helps. We feel like we bring a really unique perspective to comic book podcasting. We're not doing book reviews, we're not doing popular culture uh, recaps quite as frequently as other shows. We're really trying to let you see behind the curtains uh, to what being a retailer is like and the, the current market conditions, things we face, challenges, struggles, so... Uh, the, the more reviews we get, the higher up we are on the charts and easier it is for people to find us, which would be awesome. And we have Clint, and that's worth five stars alone. Alone, easily. Thank so. you. Um, so for Clint, James, and myself, Eric, we're going to go ahead and call it an episode, and we will talk to you next time. Chicago pizza time! On behalf of all of us, thank you for listening to this episode of the CowCast. You can find us on all the main social media outlets, including Facebook at facebook.com slash Incredicow, on Twitter at Incredicow, or on Instagram at Cowabunga Comics. To send an email to us directly, send it to podcast at cowabungacomics.com, or to join in the discussion, you can hop on our new Cowabunga Comics forum at comics that's cowabunga with a K, dot com.